Walking through the streets, you arrive at the unmarked building. As you approach, the door is opened with perfect timing by Stevens. Without breaking stride, you walk into the hall, remove your coat, and exchange it for the drink already awaiting you in Stevens' other hand. You wave to members, old and new, as you make your way to the fireplace. This is your night to bring the story, and it's time to begin. Welcome to the club. Welcome back to the club for chapter five of Girl Underground. After this group confronted their deepest fears on the winds of the Whispering Willows, Kat used the combined powers of her axe and bracelet to slice through the devilish mist, leading you to the apple tree just outside the realm of the fairies. You're filled with a warm glow of safety as you move into the clearing. Cat moves forward closer and closer to the tree, but before she can reach it, bursting forth from all sides, fairies move out from the shadows, weapons drawn. Each holds a bow made of wood and willow vines. They appear to be empty at first, but when the vine is pulled back, a magical arrow of white light appears in its place. Before, the plant life's natural violet bioluminescence tinted everything around you, but as more fairies arrive and more bows are drawn, suddenly it is just full of white light. There's a moment that feels completely still. You're all taking in the gravity of the situation you're facing, exchanging looks, non-verbally signaling that you cannot survive either fighting or fleeing, which only leaves surrender. One fairy, approaches, carrying orbs of liquid chrome. Robin, this is a scenario you are all too familiar with. You clasp your hands, wrists together, as the fairy conjures the orb to envelop your hands. The liquid spreads from fingertips to elbows, with a sudden flash dries instantly, giving your arms the appearance of being cast in metal. The fairy gestures to Robin, regarding you all, and Robin gives the rest of you a nod to follow suit. We cut to the prisoners marching through the archway of stone separating the willows from the dominion of the fairies. On the other side, it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. So I'd like to go around the table, and we've now entered the realm of the fairies, and I want you all to give an incredible detail about the realm of the fairies. Sights, sounds, smells, anything that makes it so unique. When Kat looks up, she notices that instead of seeing a normal like canopy of trees or sky, it looks like there's water above them. Like if you touch it, you'd be touching water. Ash sees like little isolated waterfalls falling from the sky in different spots. And where it hits the ground are little little pools of water with lots of uh, flowers and, uh, and plant life around the bottom. All right, let's build on this water stuff. <laughs> uh, so in the pools, where all this water is collecting, it's not just like reflections of what you, like, you can't just like, you see your reflection in the water, you see reflections of your memories in the water. Ooh, nice. And as you move around, the sounds echo back and forth, giving it this ethereal feeling. Building on the water, because that's what it sounds like when you're at a swimming pool. You know? uh, okay. <laughs> Can I add one more thing? Yeah. When it rains, it rains corn dogs. <laughs> At least that's really what Kat's hoping. Yeah. There's a bunch. That's what she sees yeah. in the reflections. <laughs> Just <water>. corn dogs. <laughs> There's a bunch of H.R. Giger cocks and vaginas all over the wall. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'm picturing a completely different fairy. Yeah, we're not. That. Rewind. Rewind. The fairy world is different for everybody. <laughs> it is what you wish. <laughs> You are dropped off one by one into holding cells, separate from one another for the first time since setting out together three days ago. 
Cat, you are dropped off last, deposited in your new cell and left alone. You are on the brink of panic, but you know that it can't help you now. So you decide to retreat into a memory of safety. Where do you go? Cat retreats to a memory of her father a few months after her mother died in the tragic and completely unforeseen horse stampede accident that I didn't use to write myself into a weird corner. <laughs> and as we zoom in on these two, Cat in bed, her father perched on the edge reading to her, we see a man very unlike the one Cat described previously, that ghost of a person wandering the house aimlessly as if he's looking for something precious that he lost. The person we see here knows there's something precious right beside him, suffering in silence but not alone. We see in Cat's father a strength, one that immediately brings to mind the brave princes from all the well-known fairy tales. But there's something fragile about that strength, and we see that fragility in his deep blue eyes, now a little clouded and not quite focused, and his once dark hair now streaked with gray and always disheveled, and we see it in his slumped shoulders, and his once firm jawline as it seems to perpetually quiver with the strain of a barely held back scream of despair. Despite these outward signs of a grief almost too much to bear, Kat sees none of this. She sees only the piercing blue eyes and jet black hair of Prince Eric, the strong jawline of Prince Charming, and Prince Adam's broad shoulders. Shoulders Kat is sure can carry any burden. And though suffering, she knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that she can really and completely rely on her father. In Kat's eyes, we see absolute and unwavering trust. Kat's father is reading her a fairy tale, something he hasn't done since she was very small, and she feels that pull towards womanhood, the one that tells her she's a little too old to be taken in by these stories the way she used to be, but not yet too old or too foolish to fail to find comfort in this familiar moment. Kat understands what this moment is about. Her mother strove to fill her life with adventures, and she felt that this was the best gift that she could give her daughter. Her father was never so adventurous, but he tried in his own way, and his way was to read cat fairy tales. As we linger here, we see that despite their loss, these two have found peace in this moment. As Cat's father finishes the fairy tale, bringing a happy ending to a harrowing story, an ominous feeling creeps into the room. Cat and her father seem unaware of it, but we as observers feel a terrible dread for these two. Something tells us that there will be no happy ending for this fairy tale. As Kat's father goes to leave the room, he pauses at the door and turns back to her. It's as if he senses that she feels she's too old for fairy tales. And here we see the part of the memory that is at once the most precious and tragic for Kat. These are the last real words her father will say to her before he becomes a ghost of his former self, saying only what's necessary if saying anything at all. Kat, you are never too old to dream a new dream. He smiles gently at her, she smiles back, and he closes the door. The next morning, Kat doesn't recognize the man she knows as her father. Oof. So you retreated into a safe place, only to be brought back to a really soul-crushing moment of Kat's life. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> safety. Yeah, safety. You uh, find yourself sitting in this cell for a while, and suddenly a fairy, a lone fairy approaches you, and, uh, you know, we, it was overwhelming seeing so many at the time that you didn't really dial in on the fairies themselves and, and what they look like. Let's describe what, what a fairy looks like. A fairy looks exactly like all the princes from all the fairy tales. They all have strong, broad shoulders, thick hair, piercing eyes. They're not all blue eyes, and they're not all white. They're all kind of, you can sense that they have this charm about them. And if you were also a fairy and not a prisoner, you'd probably get along with them really well. So this, I did have a sheep fairy. You did have a sheep fairy, yeah. Oh, we all remember the sheep fairies. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that the guards or the, the fairies who have a little more uh, important roles are the ones who kind of take on this otherworldly persona. Mm -hmm. About how tall are they? I just need to know for headbutting. <laughs> just in case. Anthony, what are their names? All of them? <laughs> okay. Well, we got George the fairy. <laughs> there's, there's about 15,000 fairies in this yeah. neighborhood, so it's going to take me a minute. If you can do it alphabetically, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, it starts at G. There's no, none of it before G. <laughs> so, uh, finally, this uh, fairy approaches you, and do you, despite the attractive, heroic 
physical qualities. This fairy looks exhausted and kind of worried. And he walks up to your cell, he snaps his fingers, and the liquid metal just falls off of your hands and your your ha- arms and hands are free again. He opens your cell and he says, come with me to the queen. And he gestures. Can I bring a friend? That's are up to the pro- queen. Can we hear and see that from where we're sitting? No, you all, they dropped you off separate from one another so you couldn't see or hear each other. So I'm no longer in the pouch. <laughs> you are not in the pouch. Right. You've been separated <laughs> from your pouch home. Are you okay? Uh, yeah, it's it's everything is fine and dandy. Just come with me to the queen. Okay. So he takes you out, closes the cell, and you walk through, back through this gorgeous open area, the, the water rippling through the sky, and you see these giant double doors that as you approach, they swing open. And once you cross into this room, the first thing you notice is that there is stuff Everywhere, And I don't mean like gold and valued possessions. There is stone rubble, broken glass, charred pieces of wood all over the place. And as you are led into the court of the fairy queen, she's 10 stories tall if she's five foot. She's just this massive, beautiful queen, except for she, she kind of looks, uh, Mad, like she, her, her hair is stringy, but you can tell it used to be this beautiful shade. Uh, her eyes are wide. She's she's very skinny. It's and not like angry mad, but sexy mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both, I guess. And she turns as you approach, and the the fairy who brought you here pushes you forward, kneels, my queen, and then beats bricks. I'm like looking over my shoulder at him and I try to mimic his kneel, like do what he just did, but I don't quite do it right because I I didn't know that was going to (laughs) happen. And uh, at this point, the queen turns to you and looks down. Ah, you are the trespasser. Trespass is kind of a strong, maybe a little judgmental word. I'd, I'd say tourist? She snaps her fingers, and from the left side of her throne, a giant two-headed Rottweiler comes tearing out towards you on a chain, like, viciously barking at you and, like, charges at you. And it, the chain stops it just before it can reach you. I grab my axe. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so Kat grabs her axe, and she just pulls it out, and she doesn't do it threateningly. She just sort of pulls it out, like... I also have something that I can use to defend myself, so why don't we, you know, try to talk and not be super scary? <laughs> the second you pull out the axe, she looks at it and... Oh, you have my axe. Well, thank you for bringing it back. You're welcome. So, uh, you can just set it down and go back to your cell. I think I'll hold it for a little while longer till I can find my friends, maybe. Are your friends what you really want right now? What do you mean? She raises her right hand, and in the top of her throne room, one of those waterfalls comes down from the water, and as it hits the ground, she waves her hand behind it, and suddenly you see in that water a vision of the beach where you started this adventure. Except for it's not you that's on the beach. It is full of people walking around, searching, that you see police, and you see at the table where you were sitting, your father, who is more broken than you've ever seen him, hunched over this picnic table as people are are coming by and they're they're patting his back and like giving him water or a sandwich or something and and just all these people are are searching and you know they're searching for you as soon as cat sees her father she forgets about everything and she screams dad and rushes towards the waterfall the rottweiler jumps in your way and the queen slaps the waterfall and it just cuts off and retreats back into the ceiling. No. 
<laughs> very weird. Wait, wait. Well, very subdued reaction. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm trying not to. No! Is that better? It was different. <laughs> I, I just can't do anguish right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's devastating to Kat to see, to feel like she's like right there. She could reach out and touch her dad, and then all of a sudden it's taken away. She hasn't really had time to think about her dad. She's kind of felt like all of this was a dream until she cut off her toes. <laughs> so reality's only slowly crashing back into her. The queen turns to you and says, This is very simple. Give me my axe, and I will send you on your way. Yes or no. Cat would like to use her curiouser and curiouser power. All right. She wants to know if the queen is the kind of fairy that she could, like if she does a gesture, if the queen would recognize that and respect that, or if she's too far gone in her madness. I will say that there's definitely, you can tell she's playing a game. There's there's something okay. dark behind her. That's what Kat feels. Yes, Kat, or <laughs> no. <laughs> the queen is being very pushy. She wants a one-word answer, yes or no. Well, I've never been good at one-word answers, but this axe was never mine to begin with. I guess all I can do is give it back to you and hope that you'll consider letting my friends go. And Kat just sets it down and steps away. <laughs> Your friends were not part of the deal. I don't think we made a deal. I'm just returning your axe. That should be appropriately given as a gift, I would say. You want me to gift you back your axe? Yes. Pick up the axe, come to me, and place it in my hand. Cat just sits down and crosses her legs, Indian style, and starts meditating. <laughs> the, the queen is... the Her crazy eyes and calmish demeanor fade almost right away and she becomes narrow and menacing and to the back of the room she shouts bring him in and the doors open and all of your party members in their cages are brought forward into the room with robin at the front cages you say yes and as you are all brought to the, you all come to the front, especially Robin, the queen looks at you. Robin, good fun. I told you I never wanted to see you again. You didn't have to look at me. You came into my realm knowing what it would bring. I had to see. It's been too long. You've really let this place go. She grabs like something near, like she grabs a, a goblet and throws it against the wall, shattering it. Opa! <laughs> uh, she raises her hand up and creates another waterfall right above your cage, and water pours down on you with tremendous force, just pounding down on you. Robin doesn't give her any satisfaction of it affecting him at all. He has an inner drive that resists this pressure so of course it hurts but he steps outside of the pain and just doesn't break eye contact with her at all when she is frustrated that you are not yelling in agony she brings it to a stop and Robin you notice that you are returned to your base form all of the shape shifting you've done to yourself that has stabilized you or that has maintained with you through your transformations are all gone. So do you look like you looked when we first met you, or do you look any different? Robin looks very different. So he looks like if you took your classical image of Peter Pan and, you know, the Robin Hood fox, and, like, that became, like, a human form. So it's, like, sly up to... Always has something on his mind and probably no good. <laughs> nice. All but right. it's like this, there's like this beauty to him that he had let fade through all of his transformations. Now that you've, you've stepped out and you're 
your old self and those things that have been piled on you are kind of gone now. They're kind of pulled away. You also feel like you can see very clearly that this queen is not the queen you left behind. Like, yes, you knew she'd be angry. You knew she was temperamental, but she just seems like so far gone from how she was when you last encountered her. And after that observation, Robin looks around and runs a hand through his hair. Says, oh, where's the king? (laughs) She becomes enraged and grabs uh, another valuable treasure near her and smashes it. He brought me nothing but ruin after you left. So I did the only thing I could. I devoured him. Oh, shit! (laughs) (laughs) Robin walks over by the cage where Gomer is. And just gives him like a on the pad of the cage, like it's gonna be all right. <laughs> as soon as Cat heard the word devour, she just slowly put her hand on the handle of the axe. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say she reached for a corn dog. <laughs> oh, that would have been better. <laughs> I like the axe. So you've trespassed into my kingdom, not returned my goods, and bring back this traitor. Also, uh, at this point, Robin, the two Rottweilers have sat, the two-headed Rottweiler has sat down and is looking at you. <laughs> really happy to see you. Uh-huh. Hey, Ro- Robin. Robin, what should I do? Give me a signal, man. <laughs> <laughs> you want a signal from Robin, and he just gives you, like, a, a side-to-side like shake of his hand. Okay. And he reaches out and scratches the Rottweiler under their chins with his other hand. I go, ah, this, didn't expect this to happen, your majesty. You you didn't expect, you, you brought these things to me instead of what I asked you for. But it appears you may have brought it to me now. Is that right? I don't think so. It may not be a baby. Is she looking at me, Robin? But I would recognize that girl anywhere. Yeah, you know what to do. Uh. And I turn around <laughs> and whisper into the cage where Gomer is. And uh, of course, my paws are in the air. Yes, I'm yeah. terrified. <laughs> Robin whispers to Gomer and says, Hey, I can make it so you can help fight her better. Is it big time? Yes, it is big time. Literally. Hell yeah! Let's do this. Alright, so then I'll offer. (laughs) I have the second nature ability is when I offer a bit of my shape-shifting magic to someone and they accept. And so I have to roll. Oh, it's a hearty accept. (laughs) Trusting my instincts here. You're really putting yourself out there. Sure. I think he's really putting you out there. Via himself. Via himself. Visa V. Well, I mean, I didn't mention that this could go horribly, awesomely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it might. Oh, oh no. Uh, an eight. I ask you, what form do you take? <laughs> Big Gomer. Corn dog. <laughs> Did you say corn dog? <laughs> I guess let's just be happy that it was Gomer and not Cat. Yeah. Was that layered under his big Gomer corn dog? Was that how I heard that? Yeah. <laughs> I want to like see what you see with you turning into big Gomer right now while you're in this little cage. It's literally just if you had Gomer in Photoshop and just scale. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. But like if you he gro- if you accidentally like held Jim, so I just got taller but not necessarily wider. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just very tall but not necessarily And your yeah. hands are up and now you oh, can almost you can probably look the fairy queen in the eye yeah. now. <laughs> One more yeah, how question. How big do you make me? Oh yeah, like if you, as big as you want. 
Um, I thought just big, so I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm touching the water ceiling. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, also, because of the mixed result, what bit of yourself do you give me in trade? My tiny paws. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. You you give up your tiny paws forever? Oh, you like get them. I thought it was like he no, like ends up copying a part of me. No, he, but I like give it up to you and it belongs to you and it, I lose it. Yeah, this so yeah, this says what bit of yourself do you give to me in trade? Ah yeah. one of my tiny paws. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any more shit for weird body choices. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, there's a lot of uh, dismembering kind of theme stuff that happens yeah. in this adventure. Uh, Gomer gets to be a hook panda in the future, and I'm excited about it. <laughs> that's, that's fair. So, uh, G- Gomer, you start growing, and since your hands are up, the you, you touch the top of the cage, and you just burst through the cage. And now you're big, Gomer. <laughs> The queen is in shock and has no idea what to do. So you have complete reign for whatever you want. You have the the element of surprise. Oh shit! I was ready for this. (laughs) As as Gomer, as you're gathering yourself, I go over to uh, get Ash out of his cage, and I give Cat like a signal to like be ready. Uh, It's like with the with the axe. It's like does the chop of his hand. Cat, all of a sudden, it becomes clear to her. She's like, oh, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do now. She's She stands up. She has the axe in her hand. Does Ash get out of his cage then? Do I still have my hands in the uh, No, when they when they brought you in, you they oh, they took off your metal arms. Yeah, Robin comes over there and just does like a snap similar to what the guard did before, and the cage just pops open. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to stand ready. I don't. I'm, I don't want to piss off any uh, giant beans around me. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. Then we both look over at Gomer, and so Gomer was technically just introduced to royalty. That he was by being big. That is so true. So I have to roll. You do. I didn't choose any of this, so I'm not using any of my my traits. A seven. So dogs don't exist in this world as like pets. This the Rottweiler's only here because. Robin did that, right? Correct. Perfect. I know what we're doing. <laughs> All right, tell us. All right, so the the story that Gomer has shared with uh, with everyone else about this royal before is that this royal, this fairy queen, is allergic to dogs. <laughs> but Gomer does not know what dogs are. <laughs> so Gomer pulls out one of his corn dogs. Good. <laughs> And chucks it at the queen. And it's, so it's huge now. It's like chucking a school bus at the queen. <laughs> so this corn and dog. Gomer, Gomer uh, just slaps his hands together like a job well done and just turns to leave. So I would really love it if the corn dog slowly flips end over end and like lands in her mouth as she's yelling. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. She's screaming in rage that you've broken through the cage to her giant Gomer. And yeah, the corn dog just into her mouth as she's screaming and she like (laughs) chokes on it and is completely baffled by what is happening and she stumbles back trying grabbing this thing trying to pull it out of her mouth and she teeters back from her throne through the waterfalls that are behind her and like tumbles out of the back of her throne (laughs) <laughs> Gomer, what do you do? Or anybody else seeing seeing the, the queen get rocked off her throne by a school bus-sized corndog? Cat runs up to where she's laying down and, and just grabs her hand and starts trying to gently lift her up. The queen? Yeah, she fell. That's, that's polite. That, that is very kind of you. Um, Gomer did the thing like, that like badasses in movies do. He threw the corn dog and he turned his back to it like he wasn't going to see how it went. And he just, uh, as if he was putting on some sunglasses, it says, Who let the dogs out? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Ash is going to accompany, get, well, I'm going to help the queen up also. But while I'm 
closer. Well, because Ash is a construct who yearns to be human, he has a special insight into yearning and intense uh, desire. And he can clearly see that this queen desires something has driven her to near madness. So I'm going to use my mirror mirror ability. It's when I roll, when I stare at someone to figure them out. And I want to ask her what she truly desires, assuming we get a little downtime right here and we can talk about this apple that we're trying to get. Go for it. Are you going to use any of the uh, new beliefs? I get get two dice by default, but if I, because I'm trusting my instincts, my instincts as a construct, I want to know what she truly desires. Is she honest when she says she desires the axe? Um, I'm trying to figure out what we can bargain with to gain with these apples. All right. Go ahead and give Uh, it a roll. I'll give the roll with three dice. This is not great. Uh, It's a five total. So I'm going to... With a negative okay. six, so I, so I get to ask... No, I get to ask you... What leverage you've gained over me at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. So so you're... Ash, you lean over and help. You, you grab her uh, to help Cat yep. lift her up. And so you... How do you make yourself vulnerable to a counterattack by the queen because you're really letting your guard down. So what do you do? Well, then? yeah, I mean, I'm right next to her. I'm almost, I'm, uh, my face is against her, next to her face. I'm peering into her eyes, hoping to see into her soul, basically. But she stares right back into mine. She's much more powerful than I anticipated. So I don't know if this means I actually gain my insight. I think she gains insight into me. Right, you failed. It was unfortunately a six minus. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> She sees my my true desire to become human and how I will uh, compromise and can be persuaded into doing things to to that end. Perfect. Well, obviously, yeah, but, but I wouldn't I wouldn't betray my friends. That's one thing sure. I wouldn't do. So the the queen can see that in you now. Mm-hmm. And Robin yells out as you're over there. It's like she's not human. She doesn't play fair. As as I'm lifting her, I whisper, "Delicious, huh?" <laughs> uh, she, her hand pulls out uh, from both Ash and Kat's grasp, this giant hand, and you see it start to shrink, and she is starting to shapeshift into uh, a much smaller size as she's bringing herself back up, and she's soaking wet as she's getting coming out of this waterfall and you can tell when she steps out that she has really regained her composure. She still looks a little crazy because she's soaking wet and was had a corn dog shoved in her mouth. It's still in her mouth as she's transforming back and it changes size. <laughs> <laughs> so that her jaw doesn't explode off and her body. So Robin, after he yelled at them, he looks over at Gomer and is like, what was that? <laughs> And she bites into the corn dog, pulls it out, chews it for a minute, and then nods. Holy shit, it worked! (laughs) What worked? The corn dog! She's not hangry anymore? (laughs) Is that what you fixed? (laughs) She throws it to the side and reaches her hand up and throws another waterfall over Gomer in order to shrink him back down, to remove the magic on him. him But she doesn't shrink you back all the way. You're now, the you you come out about five foot tall. Me! You're still still a big gomer. I'm almost the size of a real panda. (laughs) Pat yourself down and also check your boys. (laughs) How we doing, gomers? (laughs) She throws the corn dog to the side and she turns to Ash. And she says, I see, I see the desire in you. I too am full of desires I cannot attain. I will make you a deal. You help me fulfill my goal and I will help you fulfill your goal. Your majesty, I see we got off on the wrong foot and I want to correct that. Understand that my desire is for Cat to return back home. And if you can make that happen, that would be my desire. I will forego my desire to return Cat. Whatever it takes, I will do it. She places her her hand on the side of your face 
and you feel drained. Like, you feel you've been working towards this goal of humanity and this understanding of humanity. And now you feel like it's not all gone, but you feel like you understand far less than you did. You feel like you it's something has taken you a step back. And when she pulls her hand away, she is suddenly revitalized. Her hair is no longer stringy and strung out. It is back to this luscious golden blonde and she seems healthy again. And she says, Your trade is acceptable. He's content with his situation. Can we all tell what's just happened to him? Like, do we understand that he's lost what humanity he had as a toy soldier? You might be able to tell in just his physical demeanor. Okay. Well, in my, my, I have a very human-like face and eyes, so um, you can see the weariness and the exhaustion in my face, and this, the, the light in my eyes has dimmed a little bit. I'm not quite as present as I once was. I react more to instructions and follow the lead, follow the leader. I might not be as assertive as I once was. Cat does not like this. Cat sees Ash change and understands that the sacrifice was made for her, but she also sees the madness in the queen and is worried that the sacrifice will be wasted. She has her axe and she has the bracelet and she touches them together and she says to the queen, this is yours, it's time I give it back. And she she doesn't (laughs) hurt her. She pushes it into her chest. And when she does this, she's thinking about all the, the stories her father used to tell her about the, you know, the crazy queen who had a broken heart or a heart, you know, made of stone, and she feels like there's something wrong with the queen's heart. And so her intent is for the axe to break through that stone so that her heart can start beating again and feeling again. Very nice. Yeah, so as this is happening, like I said, Kat doesn't swing it at her. She's not being forceful. She's as gently as you could push an axe into someone's body. (laughs) (laughs) In the most caring way, she's just, you know, very firmly doing this. I can assist her role. Do it. Using a heart not judge when I encourage her with my humanity. So if she can, if I roll seven or more, she can add one. Yeah. Yeah, you roll first. I didn't do it. Okay, that's right. <laughs> uh, so with that role, I how do I remind everyone that I'm actually a thing? So yeah, one of my arms falls off. to reach out to encourage her and it just in, dropped. In a very depressing and sad state of affairs, oh, my body is just geez. toy soldiering to its last uh, last march right now, boys. Uh, we'll see if Josh makes you carry around your fingers later. <laughs> <laughs> I recently lost a hand as well. <laughs> <laughs> We're in good company, soldier. So give me a roll, Cat. Okay, and I feel like Cat might be breaking a manner. Yeah? Because she is in the presence of royalty. This is not her land. It's not her court. She's kind of breaking all the rules. I think she's doing two. She's not doing what she's supposed to. The queen told her what to do. Robin clearly had an idea for her that she did not follow. And she is definitely taking up all the space. She's just going for it. That's true. Use any of your beliefs to assist you in your role? Uh, Definitely. She is trusting her instincts. She's being assertive. She's putting herself out there. And she knows when to take charge. And she's being confident because she knows this story. Yeah. There's no doubt that it's going to work. So you put all of your new beliefs and your mind and heart into this and let's see what happens. 12. Perfect. So as you gently push this axe through the queen, you you feel it hit resistance, like that stone heart you imagine. It's how it appears in your mind's eye. And then it shatters like glass, is how it feels. And the, the queen takes it a sharp... <gasps> it backs away, the axe comes out of her chest, and all at once... The madness is gone from her eyes. As soon as I see that, I hold the axe out to her and I say, this is my gift to you. She reaches out. The bracelet is not attached to it. I was just touching it, just to be clear. You just touch it. She reaches out and she grabs the axe and she pulls it and takes it from you. 
and she holds it and is staring into it and says, I I never thought this day would come. This this magic has been brought back to me, and you you used it on me. You are truly remarkable. Oh, I thought you were gonna kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and she says that. She whispers that audibly. <laughs> My my dear child, this is... I knew you were special from the moment I found you. That's why I wanted to bring you here so long ago. You are a magical creature in a world full of non-magic. My husband, the, the king, and I sensed that power, and we wanted to bring you here and make you a part of our court, but uh, it appears fate had other plans. And she slyly looks at Robin and then turns away. And Robin is now sitting on the back of the two-headed dog. (laughs) (laughs) Stretching its chins, waiting to Uh, see what happens. You feel like a wave rush over all of you. And uh, something kind of like sticks in your brain. Like You can tell she just took a moment and read all of your minds. And it's like pierced that point in your head like she did to Ash that has the, the wants and desires in it. And she says, I, I was taken over by my, my desire for, for more. And, and I let that get twisted into a desire for other people's desires. I, I don't know where it is that I got so lost, but who would have thought something magical that I created for, for someone else would be used to rescue me. She looks at Kat and she says, I will send you home. But there is something that has to be completed. And she reaches back and she hands the axe back to you. Cat takes it. I am so fucking lost. (laughs) (laughs) She walks back up and she sits back on her throne and it magically resizes as she sits down to the size that she is now. So it uh, fits appropriately. (laughs) She says, That axe was created for... A man you all know as Sir December. He came to me with uh, the one you call Ringmistress Maya. Sugar tits. Sugar tits, yes, that is how we all remember her. Because he wanted to make a trade. So he needed me to create glory for him. He wished for glory, and he brought me the story of a young woman, a wolf, and a woodsman. And so I granted his wish. And upon taking on his wish, I somehow was infected by all of his dark desires that lay behind it. I had hoped that once these magic items had completed their purpose, that it would all be gone, but they're still here. He's clearly failed in his task. I can already feel the darkness of that desire returning. So, if you free me from this prison of desire once and for all, by letting this axe complete its duty, I will send you home. Do you want me to cut down that apple tree? Is that what you're saying? It's a lot of words for cut down a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you want me to bring you Sir December's December's? His December's? (laughs) Well, this this did become a dark fairy tale. (laughs) Yeah. You hold the scrotum aloft like Perseus with Medusa's head. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. The the fairy queen says, This may help answer some of your questions. And she throws her hand up and another waterfall comes down. And she waves her hand behind it. And you all see this image, this, this movie start playing in the water. And it is, you see what she's already told you, uh, Sir December... Uh, in her court, getting his golden axe and uh, telling her the story that he wants to complete and take credit for. Uh, she she ha- gives him the axe and sends him on his way. We cut to a forest where Sir December is using the axe to swiftly chop down trees and delicately, one by one, carve an army of toy soldiers with this golden axe. The scene fogs over and it is Sir December with uh, an army 
of toy soldiers and other knights as he is marching into the woods and uh, these witnesses he's brought to see him complete this goal and you see uh, an older woman you can't see their faces but you can see the the shapes of an older woman and, and a young girl and this massive wolf standing on two legs coming for them and Sir December rides in with the axe ready to swing at the wolf and the wolf is just too quick for him throws him off his horse and knocks him on his ass and uh, the soldiers that he's created charge in and this wolf starts eviscerating these toy soldiers breaking them in half throwing them uh, the other human soldiers that are with him are being ripped into and bitten into. It is, it's becoming a massacre, and Sir December is just like a cow. The coward he is is backing away from it, and he grabs the axe, uh, holds it up in the air, and calls for a retreat, and they tear back through the woods, and then the waterfall stops, and the queen says... I created a pocket universe for him to come in and steal the glory and slay the wolf with the only weapon that could kill it. He failed. And so that pocket of time has sat there over and over and over. I need it to stop, slay the wolf, and end this. Cat looks at all of her friends like, uh... Is this something we can do? Is this something we should do? That's kind of the look in her face, like questioning. I'll kill a wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Not just any wolf. I'll kill that wolf. (laughs) The big bad wolf. I mean, yeah, I'll go. Could you guys, you don't have to, but if you want to come with me, that'd be great. Can I have some armor or something? (laughs) Absolutely. She. <gasps> I'm going to be the knight this time. I'm Prince Charming, you guys. I'm my own Prince Charming. I don't need no man. <laughs> A waterfall appears above you, washes over you, and when it stops, tell us how what you're wearing now. Cat is still wearing her parachute pants because they're just too cool to give up. Of course. But instead of being made of cloth, they are panels of the strongest, most reflective metal any of them have ever dealt with. So you're like sparkling? You're there sparkling <laughs> yeah. in the reflection of the, the, the water? Yep, and she's, and she's got a top, like a chainmail kind of top, and a, a helmet that's it's kind of pliable but strong, and it just sort of is resting on her back, so she can put that on if she needs to. Nice. Uh, she reaches forward, and she also taps your bracelet. And you see the the stone in your bracelet flashes blue and glows. And she says, This relic you've brought to our world is is very special. It, It can store any magic that it comes in contact with to be used later at any time. I have now gifted you with this bracelet with fairy sight that will help you find a clear and true path through the Whispering Willows and into the Wolfwood, where you will face your final test. And we're going to be riding on the back of this guy. (laughs) Come on up! (laughs) Robin is patting the back of the two-headed Rottweiler. Absolutely! She snaps her fingers and four saddles appear on the two-headed Rottweiler. (laughs) My lady, you look resplendent. With this armor and this axe and our new uh, companion, I think we have a chance. Before she allows you to depart, she floats up and flies over to Robin. And uh, she says, Robin, good fun. You are hereby pardoned in the realm of the fairies. I see now that the millennia of ruling this place had uh, taken... A toll on me even before I could blame it on this magic. You did what you thought was best. Not just in that final instance, but for the realm. I fear that 
I've put too much poison into our realm. When this is all over, I I would like you to return. Robin looks her in the eye, says, It's good to see you like this. And she smiles. I wish the king was here to see it. <gasps> I completely forgot. <laughs> she turns her head to the side, jaw fully unhinges, and the king <laughs> just out of her mouth into a full person next to her. Was he what was wrapped around her heart? No. (laughs) (laughs) But he uh, is covered in slime (laughs) and just seems very grateful to be out. He's just like, whoa. Yeah, that escalated to a point, didn't it? And she's like, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it later. And Robin looks at them both and says, okay, creatures don't own creatures, right? They both at the same time. Creatures, creatures don't, don't own, own creatures. creatures. I don't want to have to come back and turn this fairy land around. <laughs> we need your help doing just that. All right, everyone. Mount up. You all pile on to... Uh, man, someone needs to give this two-headed Rottweiler a name. Anthony. <laughs> all right, so let's see. Everything is... Uh, 15,000 fairies, and no one had a name before G. And we already have George, so Georg. Georg? And Gorgi. Georg. Those are the two heads. The two heads. All right, perfect. (laughs) You saddle up and ride your way out triumphantly through the archway where you entered back into the Whispering Wood. We we crossfade from your returning into the world of the Whispering Wood, and we see not the inside where you were. We see the outside of the Whispering Wood, the very edge where you all entered in the first place. We we see a... We follow a camera pan across the grass to the feet lined up, all these feet made of wood painted to look like boots. The camera pans down the row of about a dozen or more feet until the end of the line. We pan up to see a toy soldier standing, saluting. Suddenly, a sword slices off the head of the soldier, and you see behind him that the entire line of soldiers have been decapitated in a similar manner. Panning down to the head lying on the ground, a tentacle picks it up and passes it to a pair of scuffed, dented, white armored hands. A gloved hand reaches in, grabs the lower jaw, and tears it off the toy soldier. We follow the head as it's raised up and placed as though a helmet over the cracked mask of Sir December. The camera pans back to show Jacques the Octopus along with other masked men, all wearing helmets made of the same fashion. December draws his sword, points the tip to the woods, and shouts, forward. And that is where we end chapter five. As this evening's tale comes to a close, you notice the fireplace has lost some of its warmth and light. That's your cue that it's time to take your leave of the club. As you make your way to the door, You are tempted to deviate from this warmly lit corridor. Suddenly and silently, Stevens appears with your coat in the slightest of nods. You leave, satisfied, knowing that next month will bring another tale and possibly a chance for adventure. Goodbye for now, members.